CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, everybody. It's Hoppy the Frog here, and welcome to the Canadian Frog Countdown. Okay, no. No more. No more frogs. You interrupted the last show. You stole our Twitter account for a week. You are not stealing my intro. No more Hoppy the Frog. We are taking our show back. This is the Canadian Football Countdown, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I am Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Mike, how are you doing? I literally ran in here 10 seconds in the door because I just finished disciplining Hoppy. There we go. In a fair manner. <laughs> in a fair manner, yes. No animal cruelty. No animal cruelty. Ah. Uh... He had a dead wheat by the sound of it. Yeah, he, uh, he made himself a fancy new logo for the Canadian Football Countdown. Uh, took over our Twitter account, made a lot of frog puns, you know. I spent 45 minutes one day just researching frog jokes and frog puns to try to keep up the appearance of a frog running our Twitter account. This may be the stupidest thing we have ever done in the history of the Canadian Football Countdown. Well, I mean... Frog wasn't necessarily the easiest choice. No, no. Like, I don't even know what frogs do besides hop around, eat flies. I know what football does. We should probably talk about that. Uh, what's football? Well, um, there's a lot of Canadian football to talk about as Labor Day just came and went. And, you know, the saying, CFL season officially starts on Labor Day. Uh, or after Labor Day. Which well, if the Bombers, if the season started on Labor Day, the Bombers would be 0-1. Which they're not, thankfully. Um, lots for us to talk about here. Uh, first thing I do want to talk about is actually the NFL. The NFL season starts this week. Uh, NFL cuts coming down. A lot of CFL players among those cut from the NFL this weekend. I mean, it's just baffling some of these things to see because some of these guys that were cut by their teams, in my opinion, and shared by the opinions of not only a lot of CFL fans, but a lot of pure NFL fans as well, don't believe these guys deserve to be cut. I'm looking at guys who, you know, were all-stars in the CFL last season, come to the NFL, have an outstanding preseason, like... We're talking about Alex Singleton having 15 tackles one day and getting cut the next. We're talking about Mark and Michelle, who had a couple long touchdowns in the preseason, being cut by his team. We're talking about Duke Williams, who had an outstanding preseason. I know Williams and Singleton have accepted practice roster spots with their teams, but you look at the guys who did not... Who, To be fair, some of them did make their NFL teams. You know, Ty Long... Former BC kicker did make the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, you had, like I said, Duke Williams make the practice roster. Uh, you had Alex Singleton make the practice roster. James Vodders made the practice roster with the Bears. Uh, Sam McGuavin looks like he was the 
best guy to come out of the CFL, really secured what looks like a starting spot with the Dolphins. And I know some of these guys have been picked up since then, and I was ready to come onto this podcast as Mike was texting me with all of these cuts. I was ready to rant and rave, and it's a little more tepid now that I've seen some of these guys get claimed because, you know, Deontay Spencer has been claimed by the Broncos. Uh, you do have – who else do we have that's been claimed by? Zilstra. Brandon Zilstra was claimed by the Carolina Panthers after he was cut. That one was a little surprising. Dion Lacey gets claimed by the Dolphins, but – to me, like, you may go and say, like, to me, if these guys are cut and immediately signed by another person, it just makes me wonder, like, were they that far off from making the teams that cut them? Probably not. The problem is there was over 1,200 people that got cut. Okay, that puts things in perspective, sure. I mean, let's be fair, Ryan, and I, I, think, uh, I think you'd agree with me on this. If you're a dialect to CFL player, at CFL player, whatever your, you know, your title is, whether you're a Brandon Zilstra, whether you're Duke Williams, whether you're another name, Jordan Williams Lambert. That was another one. Um, sure you have your contract with whoever you have your contract with, but I think fringe guys try to get on tape for not only the team they're with, but for other, the other 31 NFL teams. And, you know, just because it doesn't work out for you with one other team doesn't mean another team doesn't find you favorable. And I think it's, it's a lot like the CFL, you know, the two-week preseason, and then how many cuts are there among, you know, the nine teams. But, I, I think the CFL players more and more equate themselves better and better each time. And I think now the time has passed. I can remember days where CFL players get cut. They're put on waivers. They go unclaimed. You can't say that they, you know, didn't put their best foot forward. I'm not, and I'm not saying that's what you said. I'm saying... You know, you're not just auditioning for your one team. You have 31 other teams who's are looking at your tape. Uh, they're scouring at other teams' cuts uh, to try to find one, but, you know, you couldn't fit on the roster. So let me pose you this question, because this is the okay. initial question that came to my mind as these cuts were coming out. And sure, some of these guys have been signed back, and I do agree with you. We've seen more guys get NFL tryouts from the CFL than ever before in the last couple of seasons. Mm -hmm. But we haven't seen that many stick around with a true roster spot over the last couple of years. Like, we saw some guys, Adam Big Hill, for a bit. Now he's back with the Bombers. Mm -hmm. Brandon Zilstra was on the main roster with uh, Minnesota Minnesota last season. Now he gets cut by Minnesota. You just texted Brett Jones, who... Had been with the Giants, I believe, for a couple uh, seasons. Giants and Vikings. Giants and Vikings. He gets cut. So, you know, I'll, I'll stir the pot a little by asking this. Is there, at least with certain NFL teams, a bias against CFL players? <sighs> now, now, granted. You know, I, I'm so glad we had this conversation now and not in the heat of the moment when the cuts were made. I'm going to say no. Um, 
just because they because I feel anyway that and it's much like the CFL, right? I mean, you 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 keep trying to bring in the talent that you know you think will give you the best chance to win. And if said player is an if player A is an upgrade over player B that's on your roster, of course you're gonna make that change, whether you've got a CFL background or not. However, I do tend to find that um, NFL people with CFL former CFL people in their front offices are a little more lenient to keeping CFL players because. You know, said NFL personnel groups or personnel coaches or whatever are familiar with these CFL players. And there's guys that, you know, they will go for, go, you know, to bat with and say, you know, when I worked in the CFL, I saw NFL capability from player, from player number whatever, whoever it might be. But to say that there's a prejudice, I mean, it certainly appears that way, but there's multiple players that come out from multiple colleges every single year that go undrafted but become free agent. And I mean, sure, the goal is to make it to the NFL, but the NFL had to kick at the same players, obviously, as a higher priority. The CFL players are going to have a crack at these, you know, thousand plus players that were cut. Uh, there's the XFL that's coming, but gonna be filling out the rosters because of these cuts. There's the uh, AAFL. Oh wait, that one for. But the mo- there is enough football players, in my opinion, to subsidize a lot more football leagues, and, th- and every year new players are coming out of college, and there's Division One. Division two, Division three, college, and those guys don't even get a look in the draft. You only hear about, you know, the seven rounds of the NFL draft, and but there's plenty of guys that have gone in the NFL undrafted, but they find these diamonds in the rough. I mean, just to use one prominent example, Miami Dolphins uh, defensive lineman, former BC Lions linebacker. Defensive lineman, sorry, Cameron Waite. I mean, yeah, he he's the one to me when the, I think about it. The one that's when I think about CFL players that go to the NFL, I think of Cameron. Right, and it was because of people before Cameron Waite, and quite frankly, because of Cameron Waite, that a lot of these people get NFL opportunities. And just to finish off a point on Alex Singleton. Any other team, in my opinion, Singleton makes the team. But you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, they're one of the deepest teams defensively, particularly at linebacker in the NFL, that, you know, they deem to be Singleton expendable. Now, fortunately enough, Singleton has agreed to remain on their practice roster, and I don't think we'll be on that practice roster very long. Yeah, see that that to be fair is the context I was missing. Is I I have not historically followed the NFL as closely right. as you. You know, I see I see a guy that makes 15 tackles in a preseason game right. gets cut the next day, and I'm baffled because right. how how often do you see a star NFLer make 15 tackles in a game, right? And so I see that, and, and you know, I I'm not trashing the NFL. No, 
in any sense here. And you make an excellent point about how many players actually get cut. And I think the reason that it upsets me to see these is because we see on a season-by-season, 21-week-plus playoffs basis, how good these guys actually are. The other thing is, these CFL guys, when they come into the NFL, they have one or two drives in week number one to prove themselves. They have one drive to make their mark. If they don't make their mark, oh, they'll move on. If they see a little bit of something, then you'll get into week two. Week two, you have a little bit more rope. Week three, you have a little more rope. Week four, you have a little more rope. It's a very, uh, it's a very subjective thing. Much the same if I may talk about a hockey example here real quick. Winnipeg Jets rookie Mark Shifley, remember his first year? Yep. Coming right out of junior, he led to, led the Jets in scoring, and everybody fought in the preseason anyway. Oh, Shifley should stay, Shifley should stay. Same kind of thing, right? There's competition, there's, you know, reason between putting the guy between junior, the AHL, and the NHL. It's, it's the same in football as it is in hockey. And you're constantly, you know, pumping out the bottom of your roster. No offense to those guys. And you you constantly look to upgrade the bottom end of your roster. It's like that in any other league. So it's been well documented on this podcast that I'm not much of an NFL fan, that I don't follow the NFL very closely. It starts this week. Let's see if we can change that a little bit. Mike, you and the listeners are going to help me out here, okay? Okay. I'm going to need you, and I'll give you to the end of the podcast to let us know. I need four options of which team I should stand in the NFL, which team I should support in the NFL this season. We'll put it to a Twitter poll, and that's the team I'm rooting for. Interesting. So are you looking for a team that has CFL background? That that could be. Geographical background? I'll leave it up to your discretion. You give me four options, and we'll leave it to Twitter to decide. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Uh, NFL, by the way, 100 season this year, too. So. Well, perfect time for me to start following. Here's to the next 100. And they start with the historic matchup from Soldier Field between the Padres and the Bears on Thursday night. So, first time in uh, about 10 plus years where the Super Bowl champion doesn't open up at home hmm. on opening night. But the Patriots, the Super Bowl champs, will open on Sunday night instead. Please don't make the Patriots an option. Nope. <laughs> no, you you did there because I I dislike them. Okay, good. Uh, so, but I will uh, lead you in the right direction uh, with some teams. Uh, Sounds good. Um, I just want sticking kind of with the topic of NFL cuts a little bit. Some of these guys have stuck around on practice rosters. Some of these guys might come back to the CFL yet this season. Mm-hmm. Um, looking around the CFL. Where might some of these guys land? Do you think? No, we're not. We we don't have open salary cap numbers, so we don't know for sure who, in your mind, has salary cap space and could see some guys coming in. Because to me, and I don't think we talked about this last week on the podcast. Mm-hmm. No, we wouldn't have because it happened since we recorded last week. Yep. The Bombers releasing Chris Matthews. They say part of it was due to Darvin Adams coming back. Part of it is just Matthews did not perform well in the Bombers' offense. Kenny Lawler was... Kenny Lawler's playing better. To me, I wouldn't surprise if it's a ca- partially a cap dump. 
as the Bombers looking at all these premier CFL receivers that are on the fence into the NFL, maybe we see one of those guys coming to Winnipeg. I, I think the issue becomes for a lot of these people when Singleton is one of them, you know, just to kind of talk about him a little bit, because I think, you know, he's been mentioned on this podcast plenty of times over the over the course of the year when, you know, he led the CFL in titles and, you know what, you know what, we There's know. There's a reason he left the CFL. Right. Right, and I, I think in in Singleton's case, I mean, I, I completely lost my train of thought. But um, no, with, with Singleton in particular, I mean, I I, I think you, you know those guys. But, oh yeah, now I know what I want to get to. Uh, Singleton basically looked at it. He maybe looked at. You know, I I think it's one of those situations. And you can agree to disagree, but if Singleton doesn't go to the NFL, he's probably going to one place in the CFL, and that's Calgary. Oh, for sure. What if he looked at Calgary and said, oh, the roster isn't that great, you know, the record isn't that great, granted they've had Bowley by Mitchell. And he's kind of said, okay, so this is that much calf space, hypothetically, they have, and he probably has a number in his head about what they have left based on conversations, although those numbers will never become public. And he's looking at what he could make in the NFL on a practice roster with probably a legit chance to join an active roster at some point. You know, you're one injury away from... They probably told him, you know what, you're one injury away from joining our active roster. Yeah, and this is this is. And he maybe looks at the financial value of a half a year in the CFL versus a full year in the NFL. Well, and this is something that uh, Travis and Ty discussed on their uh, the latest episode of the Two and Out CFL podcast, another member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Um, the episode that just released, I believe, this morning, uh, where they were talking about it. You know, NFL practice roster, a guy like Singleton's making ninety thousand for the season. Sure, he'd make more than that in the in the CFL for a full season, but the CFL season's half over already, right? So right. financially. Yeah, it probably makes sense to take an NFL practice roster spot for some of these guys. Some of the other teams I see here that could be looking to bring some guys in, um, Ottawa very clearly didn't spend a lot in free agency this year, hence why Trevor Harris, Greg Ellingson, Sir Vincent Rogers, basically anyone that was productive in that offense is no longer there. Um, Toronto could be be an option. Toronto, yeah. I, I I think, to be honest with you, if you have one win, You'd be doing yourself a disservice if you're not looking at way to upgrade that roster. Okay, let's segue straight into it. The one-win Toronto Argonauts. This team is really starting to remind me of I want to say that I, bomber team, but one. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what season that <laughs> yeah, was, but you hit the nail on the head. There was a Bombers team a couple of years ago. Maybe it was 2013. Maybe it was something something like I'll that. I'll look it up. But so many games. Like, they won, like, four or five games that season. Yeah, but they were 4-14. Four four so many of their games they were competitive in. And, and that's exactly what I'm seeing right now with Toronto. Like, the Argos were leading in this game against the Ticats. Sizably. You go back to the week before... They came so close to beating the Alouettes. Their offense has played great the last couple of weeks. Defense seems to uh, 
well, be uh, falling off the rails at times here. Like, this is an Argos team that... You, you compare the two teams that have one win right now, the BC Lions and the Toronto Argonauts, I see them miles differently. The Lions, I have no hope for the rest of the season. I hate to say it. The Argos, I feel I could start picking up some wins here, and I'm actually shocked the way their offense has played in the last four weeks that they haven't managed to win. Um... I will say this about Toronto. Toronto lost that killer instant. They were up sizably. Uh, I believe it was 13 points at one point. 13, 14 points, something like that. They had forced four turnovers and had only been able to score three times. Uh, three points, and that was a field goal off one of the turnovers. This is a Toronto team for me that lots confidence in uh, putting teams away, if you know what I mean. Like, they can't, when they're up by 7 or up by 10, they can't, they have that 2 and out at the most inconvenient time, they have that interception at the most inconvenient time, and as soon as the other team gets some kind of momentum to get back into the game, and I, I kind of saw this with Hamilton, it was like, oh, you know, the stadium is with Hamilton, they made noise, all of a sudden we're behind the eight ball, and the river kind of starts flowing the other way, they have no idea, they're lacking that ability to kind of stop the momentum dead in its tracks, it's like something bad happens, and then all of a sudden it's like they can't recover, and that other team seems to seize on that momentum and kind of seems to carry it through to a a combat. And, you know, it's kind of ironic because, you know, quite frankly, the Argos should be winless. I mean, if the Bobbins don't blow that 20-point lead and lose by one, you know, the Argos don't have one, one win to their credit this year. So I would argue more so than, oh, the, the Argos should have lost that game. I would argue there's more games where, oh, the Argos should have won that right. game. Like, you look to that one-point fluke loss to the BC Lions on the right. Rouge. But, I mean, in a general sense, if you're not doing enough things right to win football games, then, you know, you don't deserve to win a lot of football games. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, you can have a quarterback, right? But in the same sense, they had a quarterback that's, you know, couldn't put a touchdown on the board to, you know, stretch the lead even more. And they couldn't have a defense that could had to make the stop when it, when it became important. So it, it's kind of like when you're losing, it's kind of like contagious. And nobody really knows how to change, change the flow of the river, if you know what I mean. I want to go back to what I said last week about the Argos quarterback, McLeod Bethel-Thompson. And uh, I, I feel justified in what I said, and I feel justified in what in the fantasy move I made in our little fantasy league here where I dropped Mike Riley and picked up McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Sure, his accuracy was not great this game. He was 22 of 42. But since they brought in Zach Caleros, uh, he has not thrown an interception. Nine touchdowns, zero interceptions for McLeod Bethel-Thompson. Three games over 300, including one over 450. Uh, he, he is getting himself into a bit of a groove here. You, you mentioned they failed to convert on all of those turnovers. 
Uh, they forced four turnovers, I believe, on defense and uh, only put up three points on it. Yeah, that's still an issue. But I think we're past the point now where Bethel Thompson is hurting his team's ability to win games. Yeah, now it's... Now it's the defense. It's honestly kind of been kind of been the other way around, right? I mean, Toronto just can't seem to get... I, I love the Toronto Arnett. I love watching them. But it's infuriating on the fan because you sense that they're in total control. And I understand this is kind of where you're coming from because you remember that four-win bomber team being all so close... Every single week. And finding a way to lose, right? So you're that like, season oh, sucks. I know what their fans are going through. I know what it's like, right? Like, blow me out by 50 every game rather than beating me with a last second field goal every week. Right, it's like a, it's like a kick in the shin because... Maybe even both shins. Something goes wrong and, and you know, you just, oh, why this again, right? Right. And it's like, what now, right? We can't, we can't, we can't put it all together. Now... I think you'd be fair to say this, and I and I think you touched on it earlier, and that's the fact that I honestly like more where Toronto's at now than I do BC. Yeah. Um, and who would have said that I have more confidence in McLeod Bethel Thompson than Mike Riley? Well, I have confidence in Mike Riley. I don't have confidence in his offensive line. Right. Um, did we witness the coming out party of Dane Evans this week? Oh, um... I'll get. I'll give you his stats here. Thirty-one of thirty-seven, four hundred and forty-two yards, two touchdowns. He did have two picks. Also picked up a touchdown and forty-two yards on the ground. Some may go and say he played the Argos. That that you know that mm. may be part of it. Is but I have been well documented over the last couple of weeks to not be a true believer in Dane Evans' ability as a quarterback. Um, Jury still out for me. He he didn't exactly put up a lot of points uh, and such, you know, in the last several weeks leading up to this. He had a monster game this week. I fully expect Dane Evans to be the CFL's performer, top performer of the week based on this performance, but uh, it's not enough to sell you on him. It, it, it isn't because, you know, there was that game, when was it, two weeks ago? Three weeks ago where the offense barely put anything up? That would have been last week against BC. Yeah, and the defense won the mid-game, so I don't know. In the same sense, it's almost like Hamilton said, you know what, we have such a good team, and I hate to throw this moniker out because people in Winnipeg hate it, but it's true. Dane Evans... I would say has not gone to lose Hamilton a game, i.e. throw four interceptions. Well, I, th- I will say that okay. is an issue of his. He has thrown six interceptions in his last three games. Granted, of course, but, but nine in the second half yesterday, he's kept that game within striking range when it could have gotten away from him. Hamilton is a good team, and I think we're sewing the rest of that team short. When Dane Evans, all he has to do is manage the game, 
and his team has a pretty good chance to win the game. Oh yeah, there like like what, there's a reason the Tie Cats are nine and two on the season, first place in the league despite losing their starting quarterback to a season-ending injury. Uh, and it's, it's so, that defense, it's, it's that special team. Problem is not Dane Evans. Though Evans is not contributing to the reason that they lost the game. I mean, no starting quarterback. They're down to their fifth running back. Mm-hmm. Like Jackson Bennett was now all of a sudden the star running Canadian. back. Canadian. Man, Anthony Coombs, every time you think, oh, Coombs gets a start, he's going to have the big game, some other qu- running back just comes out, gets all the touches. I I, I don't know what the what the situation there is, but a huge game by Jackson Bennett. Ticats pull out the win. They will roll into the bye week at 9-2. and two. Um, Let's talk a bit about the Prairie rivalry, the Labor Day Classic. Uh, the Riders beat the Bombers. Uh, 19-17, to 17, uh, the score is. And yet, I'm happy. I-, I may actually be happy with the result of this game and how it went. I had no expectations the Bombers were going to win this game going in. I, you know, 13 of the last 14 years, they've lost the Labor Day Classic, besides that one year in 2016. Um which we may have to frame as the greatest day in history because it may never happen again. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, to this point, and we have to be really careful what we say because we do have a bit of a studio audience here tonight, and I'll be the first to admit that our studio audience is writer fans. So, uh, but that being said and that disclaimer out of the way, um, that might be the second greatest day in Blue Bomber history. <laughs> That's the if and when the Bombers ever win the Great Cup, but it's certainly the greatest accomplishment of my lifetime. Well, I wouldn't go that far. That being because the Bombers have not won a Great Cup. Don't make our history sadder than it is. (laughs) But it's the truth. They've lost three Great Cups in my lifetime. 2002, 2011, and 2007 to the Green People Nets store. I mean... There's not a lot to hang your hope on other than this season. No, I, I look at the CFL schedule. I, I'll never be one uh, to go and you can pat him. You can put it as an automatic L. Yeah, I, I'm not going to go and do a uh, Ryan from Horseman Radio and predict my team to finish 18-0 every season because I know a loss is coming on Labor Day. Like, it, it happens <laughs> every year except 2016. And, <laughs> I mean, this year it looked insurmountable coming in. Right. No Matt Nichols. You come off of Chris Strevor somehow beating the Eskimos the week before, despite only throwing for 87 yards. Nobody's believing in him uh, as a passer. No what? Andrew Harris because he's suspended. The Bombers randomly just go and release Chris Matthews. Granted, they get Darvin Adams back. And the Riders are on, I believe, six straight wins coming into this game. Maybe it was seven. Correct. No, they were one and three. They were one and three, had six straight wins. Okay. And and now it's seven straight. Like, nobody was giving the Bombers a chance. This was the first week all season I didn't pick them to win. Right. Uh, by the way, 3-0 and in Pick'em this week. That's two straight perfect weeks for myself. Congratulations. Getting my season back on track. Uh, it's 2-1. and one. Who'd you pick to win? Not bad. I picked uh, Toronto. Ah, it's always Toronto. I keep telling you. We've got to stop picking the Argos. Well, somebody stubbed their toe on Toronto earlier this year. So, I, so I'm going to say to that. <laughs> um, 
nobody gave the Bombers much chance to win this game. And yet, and granted, in the first quarter, the way the offense played, it was, oh boy, a little dicey there. Negative 10 yards of offense in the first quarter. <laughs> and, and then they started to turn things around, and the defense shut the Riders down. Uh, the classic Richie Hall, bend but don't break. Granted, it broke at the end of the game. Um, offense started to get on a bit more of a roll. Chris Trevler was able to move the ball a little bit. They granted they were also aided by penalties. Uh, a couple of, uh, you know, stupid riders penalties uh, helped uh, get them out a couple holes there. I mean, I I'll, I'll say this, and I don't want to sound like the homer, but can I maybe sound like the homer anyway? Said we're from Winnipeg. I liked an awful lot of that football game. I have more positives than negatives to take away, and I don't know if compared I've ever been able to, to say that after. Compared to what I saw nine days earlier in Edmonton, I think there's a lot more to life. Well, I'll tell you, it's no 52 nothing loss, that's for sure. Well, if you want to go to that kind of positivity, then that's, <laughs> that's two thumbs up for me. Um, But no, on a note, I mean, if you would have told me Bombers would lose their couple defensive players, arguably their number one defensive player in Jackson Jeff Colt. Well, I mean, you got Willie Jefferson and Adam Big Hill. Oh, okay, but... Jackson Jeff Coat is no slouch either, but he, no no offense to him, he's not... Okay, you're your top three sure, defensive go. player yeah. if you want to go Jefferson, Big Hill. Yeah, top five. Top five, okay. Winston Rose okay. leads the league in interceptions. Okay, but... That means that if you would have said, okay, you lose the top five defender, you lose your number one running back, and ultimately the lead MOP to this point, some, well, would, some would consider. Uh, not anymore. My, minus the whole... He's not winning any awards this season. True. It's over. But the the other part of it is, and you lose your number one quarterback in Regina, and you would have told me the Bombers would take a one-point lead... In the last three minutes, and have the Riders pinned on their own five-yard line, and have to go down and score a field goal. Heck yeah, I'm taking that all day long. Am I taking the end end result? Probably not, but the first part of that I'll take. Because quite honestly, I expected a, and I think I said it to our studio audience, I expected the game to be a blow-up eighth on the first quarter. Now, I'll talk about things from the Riders' perspective here. Uh, not the best game the Riders have played. Uh, certainly, they allowed the Bombers to stick around in this one. Uh, the offense kind of stalled at some point, And, you know, for the most part, not Cody Fajardo's best game. Those two picks kind of cost him there a little. But as the game went along, you know... You got to give him some props. Getting Naaman Roosevelt more involved in the offense now. He does throw for 300 yards. And at the end of the game, Cody Fajardo leads the Riders on that game-winning drive, just like he did in that start in Ham against Hamilton, just like he's done a couple times this year. Um, they're not all going to be pretty, right? But the Riders, to me, they've won seven straight games for a reason. And that's one of those things where... You know, you hear so much talk on Twitter and everywhere about, oh, this team uh, isn't legit because of the teams they've beaten so far, of how easy their schedule's been. Like, enough of that garbage. There's the Toronto Argonauts have one win on the season. The BC Lions have one win on the season. 
Ottawa has what? Three? Four? Three. Like these teams are a combined two, five, a combined five and 25. Like. And that's one schedule? No, the, the, the Ottawa, BC, and Toronto. Like I'm talking about here, the teams, like everybody makes that Saskatchewan's had an easy schedule. Everybody not in those three teams I've mentioned has had an easy schedule. The th- those three teams are a combined 5 and 25. Those 25 losses are spread around the league. Everybody has beaten the same teams. I don't think anybody has had an easier schedule than anybody else, particularly. We did our preseason talk on uh, breaking down the schedule, where we determined it was a very even schedule across the league. And the Riders have won seven straight games and now have a chance this week to go and pull into first place in the West Division. So... Yes, they would by virtue of a tiebreaker. And they have a game in hand next week when we're on by. So, big stakes in the rematch this week in the Banjo Bowl. We'll get to our picks later on. Um, talk a little bit about that Edmonton-Calgary game because I didn't get a chance to see that one. Uh, what's what's the big storyline to you? Bowls bat and Edmonton can't finish their drives. That, that's the way I sum it up. Um Edmonton had a chance, oh, middle of the third quarter, I want to say, to tell it back to one possession, and they had to take a field goal and tell it to nine points instead, and then Calgary turned around and added on. To me, it's one thing, it's one thing that mystifies me. And we saw this in the head, head-to-head against the Bombers uh, with Edmonton, and that's... They seem to get inside the other team 25 fairly easily. But from the 25-yard line down to the end zone, it's like pulling teeth. Hey. Trying to score majors. They should play, try playing an NFL preseason game at IG Field. They're that much closer <laughs> to the end zone. True. True. And, oh, come on, Ryan. <laughs> you're right. But, man, I lie. My thought, my thought process just got screwed up. But, again, you're right. How a team, job. how a team struggles inside the 25 yard line as much as the Edmonton Eskimos have with the weapons they have must drive Jason Moss through the roof and he must have trouble sleeping at night. I fear for Gatorade containers everywhere. And headsets. Yeah. <laughs> at least he's talking on the live mic this year, which is an improvement. That's another thing I saw somebody mention, I think, on Twitter that I also find crazy. That you go and do a live mic game in a division rival matchup when you play the same team the next week. Quite like, on, quite honestly, Ryan, Chutty Cheese is Chutty Cheese. You just, what? You just, you just changed the terminology. I mean, everybody had their terminology. You just change it. Football is football. That's the O's are the F's and O's. It's just changing Iowa and Chuck E. Cheese around. I don't know. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Trust me, we just, we hear these exotic play calls. Everybody knows what it is. The average fan might not, but what's a microphone? Chances are they're calling out whatever they're calling out. Whatever play call, exotic little terminology, 
whatever they like to use. I, you know, I like the live mics. You know, what do we have? We've had Trevor Harris explaining to us all of the days of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have had Chris Strebler issuing an expletive beaver. Um, pretty sure there was uh, one time he had a play call that was, you know, F word beaver. Idaho, Idaho. Podcast, I, I so think that's what Mike Riley likes to use. But the fact of the matter is, coaches know, based on formations, what's coming on video. Whether you call it Idaho or Chuck E. Cheese, to a fan, to the fan, they might not know what's coming. But you've seen so much football that you have to know what's coming when you're lined up, regardless of what your terminology is. The the thing that sums up, again, another loss for the Eskimos this week, we, we talk every week about their penalty troubles. They only took like 70 yards of penalties. But you also had a Christian Jones return for a touchdown. It was called back Couple of them. due to not one, but two holding calls. Mm-hmm. Um, Eskimos, despite it being the year of the return, have not had a kick return touchdown since Kendall Lawrence in 2015. And, well, they almost had one this week, but another costly penalty. That's what's happening. They're taking penalties at costly times. Here's the thing. It's not the number of penalties. No. It's when you take them. And I think that's what shot the Bombers in the foot in the first quarter. But they were taking a lot of penalties, which pushed drives back. And... You know, it's kind of like, kind of like hockey, if I may call it that. You have no penalties for the first 58 minutes of a 1-1 game, okay? You take the penalty in the last minute of regulation, the other team scored on the power play, and you lose 2-1. Well, you only took one penalty, but the penalty sure came at a really bad time to the other team scored in the last minute of the game on the power play, on their only power play of the game. Same thing with football, right? If you take six penalties, but two of them are holding on, you know, arguably your team's best return, which could flip the football game around. It's a costly penalty. Um, Bowie by Mitchell back. Nick Arbuckle played pretty well in the time he mm-hmm. filled in. Um, did you notice a difference with Bo being back this uh, week? Absolutely. Um there was a touchdown, correct me if I'm wrong, in the second half. I don't know if you can pull up the, the stat sheet. I think it was to Badleton. Probably. He seems to score a lot. Um, Like my word, okay, there's Ned Arbuckle, and there's no disrespect to Ned Arbuckle. But Poli Mitchell lays this thing in on a dime. And Arbuckle, or not Arbuckle, but Badleton is running underneath it. And it's kind of like this, right? It's coming over his head, and right, you kind of see this animation. He's running to the end zone. The ball comes right here, and ba- and uh, Badleton just has to reach out. That little thing about threading the needle, experience and having seen defenses, is what separates Bully by Mitchell from Nick Arbuckle. And the thing is, Bully by Mitchell is a lot like the top quarterbacks of yesteryear as far as quarterbacks, like Ricky Ray, Anthony Calvillo, Damon Allen, those kind of quarterbacks that, you know, you can't really fool them with this is what we knew. Um, and, you know, we've seen this before. You can't 
You can't, for lack of a better term, you can't fool the old dog. He's seen that play. He has an idea what they're going to do to you. And it was that kind of thing that, oh, you know, that play recognition from Bo Levi Mitchell is what separates him from Nick Arbuckle right now. It's just being able to recognize what was coming. Do you have uh, an updated CFL power rankings for us this yes, week? Yes, I been, do. We've been away for a couple weeks from that. Uh, last week we didn't do it. I believe we forgot it the week before as well when you were away. So uh, who knows how things have changed. We will find out over the next couple of minutes. Lay it on us, Mike. All right, I will lay it on you. Are you ready for the surprise? Born ready. Okay. Number one. Drum roll, please. At nine and two, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Seems legit. Number two. At seven and three, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I like it. I'm sure we'll get at least 50 uh, angry Twitter mentions for that one. Number three. The eight and three Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Number four. The six and four Calgary Stampeders. Number five, the five and four Montreal Alouettes. Number six. I love the dramatized number counting. The six and five Edmonton Eskimos. Number seven, the one and nine Toronto Argonauts. Moving on up. Number eight, the three and seven Ottawa Red Blots. Most notably, one and seven in their last eight games, hence why they fall into number eight. And number nine, the one and nine, BC Lions. All right, so Hamilton, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Calgary, Montreal, Edmonton, Toronto, Ottawa, and BC. Correct. What, sum, the, sum those rankings up for us. Um, you kind of flew through them there a little. Just, uh, Hamilton continues to win. Despite the starting quarterback, they have the best record in the CFL. Haven't been justified to be taken off a num- perch of number one. Uh, they have more head-to-head wins against the Blue Bombers and looked better in the one game, but they did uh, beat the Blue Bombers. Do you have different tiers? Yeah. Would you, what What would the different tiers be? Uh, the different tiers would be up upper top of the class, the middle, and then the bottom. So basically in the top tier you have Hamilton, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, uh, the middle tier, any combination of four, four, five, six, four, five, and six, maybe. Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal. Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal in that middle kind of tier. Then in the bottom, Toronto, BC, Ottawa. Yeah, I don't think there's any disagreement there. Let's get into our CFL fantasy and our CFL pick'em. Uh, Starting off with the CFPN Fantasy Challenge, uh, Mike, I uh, I was the league leader in Week 12. I represented the show well. I, I, I like to think so. 138.1 points. Thank you, Reggie Bagleton. Thank you, Braylon Addison. Uh, Chris Stravor, Kadeem Carey, Johnny Augustine, uh, Rodney Smith, and the Bombers defense all contributing to that and giving me the win over Sheldon from Horseman Radio. This week, uh, I get the big matchup, the big rematch with Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast. Uh, I am currently sitting at 8-4 and four in second place. He is in first at 10-2. and two. Uh, Huge matchup this week as I try to come within one win of first place 
and uh, take the season series as well if I win by more than 3.4 points. Uh, so follow at CF Pod Network on Twitter for all of that and check out all of the other Canadian Football Podcast Network shows at cfpodnetwork.ca. Uh, our fantasy challenge, uh, Mike, how would you sum up this week? Ah, uh, difficult for me. Uh, largely in part because we got a bit of a defensive struggle between the Bombers and the Riders, and... Which works out great for me when I have all the defensive players. Right, and, uh, you had some defensive guys that, uh, kind of picked up the slot. Uh, totals for the week. I don't have our overall totals because I, I don't have my laptop with me here today. I kind of scrambled here straight from work. Uh, but 177.32 points last week for me. You had 132.36, so yep. I beat you by about 45 here. Um, yeah, Darrell Walker, McLeod Bethel-Thompson combo was a big piece of it. Reggie Bagleton, uh, Derek Moncrief was a monster for Saskatchewan. My goodness. Uh, a couple other strong defensive players there as well. And Chris Strebler picks up a lot of rushing yards. Yep. Trades this week. You are behind in the standings, so you get to go first. Uh, you can use up to two trades, reminder. I have told you one of the trades. Uh, could you refresh while I look up my, uh, my second trade here? Sure thing. So Mike traded for Brandon Burks last week, and then, well, Brandon Burks was not on the active roster this week. And is he on the sixth game? Yep. He is on the sixth game. So uh, dropping Brandon Burks, and uh, not surprised by who you are picking up after he did run for uh, 143 yards against the Eskimos that have a very good defense uh, in picking up Kadeem Carey of the Calgary Stampeders. So that was your first move. Do you have a second one here, Russ? Yeah, I'm just looking it up here real fast. Shoot, I'm doing this on the fly today. I just had a look at this. Um, this might be a bit of a shot. I'm going to release Kyron Moore of the... Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Okay. And I am going to pick up from the Toronto Argonauts. Weird that I'm going there. But I am going to pick up from the Toronto Argonauts, Rodney Smith. I like it. I like the move. Uh, he didn't have a good... Whoops. That's weird. The radio station jumped out of my phone. Nah. <laughs> so we would have hurt ourselves. Um ourselves uh but Rodney Smith for Tyron Moore he had a good he he didn't have a great week this week but then last week he had like 12 catches for a hundred and something yards uh, so I, I like the Rodney Smith pick yeah uh, for for whatever reason McLeod Bethel Thompson went away from him I was debating between him and Esther Green and I just want to break those riders up a little bit I'm a little bit too lenient on that rider offense and they have a bye coming up so I um for my, I will make one move this week. Um, Jordan Herdman Reed uh, has been on the six game injured list, I believe, for the last couple of weeks. Who, pardon me? Jordan Herdman Reed from BC. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm going to drop him and pick up a different defender. And I'm actually going to go to Ottawa here and take Avery Williams. Uh, yeah, see, he, that was the other move I was thinking about. AJ. Williams. Yeah, uh, he's one of the league leaders in tackles. He has a couple of forced fumbles. Uh, I am down with releasing Jordan Herdman to only three Canadians on my roster, so i got to be careful here. I can't drop any more. 
but that is my one move for the week. Let's get into CFL Pick'em. Again, 3-0 and week for me last week. Two rematches. Two and one for you. Let's get into the matchups. And it starts Friday night with the Montreal Alouettes hosting the BC Lions coming off of a, both teams coming off a of bye week. Uh, you want to go first? Yeah, the most lopsided game of the week in my mind. Uh, no disrespect to BC, I expect Montreal to win this fairly comfortably, uh, 20 plus points. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you. I don't like the, how things are going. Quick, super quick. The Lions fire offensive line coach Brian Chu this week. Do you think that changes things? No, because I, I think that's a personnel issue. Uh, Brian Chu is a fantastic offensive lineman, was a fantastic offensive lineman with Montreal and all of a sudden, you know, a coaching staff that looks so good on paper, all of a sudden can't find a way to put it together on the field. It's kind of sad to see. I agree with you. I'm going with Montreal this week. I, I love everything going on with the Alouettes right now. Uh, I expect Vernon Adams to have a heyday with this BC defense. It looks like William Stanback will be back as well. Uh, and then we get into the Saturday triple header. Uh, three games on Saturday, nine hours of football. I cannot wait until, uh, the Atlantic Schooners join the league and we can do a quadruple header on Saturdays. Yeah, Labor Day would be a lot of fun, uh, cause you probably get the Ottawa Montreal in there. And then you take up the battle of the two coasts, uh, BC and Atlantic, uh, on Labor Day. There we go. I like it. Uh, it starts off at noon, central time. Toronto in Ottawa facing the Red Blacks. I'll go first on this one. Um, I'm taking the Argos. Like I said, they sh- they've shown they can be competitive the last couple of weeks. I they they have to win one of these, and uh, I think Ottawa's reeling a little bit, especially with Jonathan Jennings uh, starting at quarterback this week. I'm not sure how confident I feel about that. Yeah, I pit the Argos by less than a field goal for uh, exactly the reasons you you described. Uh, and then we get into the Banjo Bowl at IG Field. One uh, of the game that the three of us in this studio will be at. Perfect. Ironically enough, sitting like two rows apart from one another, even though we did not buy tickets together. Yeah. Mike just happened to get tickets like right in my se- near my season seats. So. Yeah, so you'll have to deal with my rap when the bombs loose. <laughs> so you're taking the Riders. I am. Why? Um. No disrespect to the Bombers, but the Riders shot themselves in the foot a lot last week. I expect them to correct that. Be a close one, but uh, Riders win this one. Well, it's a home and home, so I think you know where I'm going here. I'm taking yeah, the I Yeah, so, I so badly want to take the split here, Ryan, but I don't know. Something roused me the wrong way about this one. I'll take the home crowd advantage here. Uh, I think it will be a close game uh, again this week. Uh, hopefully see a bit more progression from Chris Strebler again this week. Uh, I love everything going on with the Winnipeg defense right now. So I will take the Bombers to win the rematch. And then we get into our other rematch, uh, Calgary and Edmonton. Calgary has the season series now already, but they do play again this week in Edmonton this time. Do you take the split on this one? No, I do not, because simply because I do not like the Edmonton Eskimos inside the 25-yard line, and I like to believe I Mitchell a lot inside the red zone. And uh, I think this one's going to be a bit more lopsided than, than people think. Uh, maybe the second biggest blowout of the week, Calgary. 
while I normally do take the split in every game, but historically I've also picked Calgary almost every week uh, in past seasons. And frankly, there is one stat that sums up why I'm taking Calgary. And, and shout out to the guys on Two and Out CFL podcast again. You know, I heard this uh, on the way here. I knew I knew the stat. I just didn't know the official numbers. Um, Trevor Harris is 0-8-2 against the Stampeders in his career. He has never beaten the Stampeders. He has never played particularly great against the Stampeders, and I think that will happen again this week. Uh, I will take Calgary for the win here as well. Uh, as we wrap things up, Mike, do you have my four NFL teams to choose between? Yes. Uh, one of them will be the LA Rams. Uh, the other will be the Chicago Bears for historical contests. Uh, for geographical contest, one of them will be the Minnesota Vikings. And they rebuilt the Legion of Doom on this team. They'll be fun to watch. This year they got uh, Clowney from Houston this past week, although they gave up Clone, uh, Devon Clooney. So I'm going to be either L.A. or Seattle, your choice. Then the other team I'm going to pick from that division where Andrew Luck retired, Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans. All right. I will be one of, a fan of one of these teams and rooting them on as the NFL kicks off this season. And, of course, I will be focusing most of my attention still on the CFL as we do so we can be back on the podcast next week here on the Canadian Football Countdown. Thank you for listening. Uh, check out Canadian Football Podcast Network at cfpodnetwork.ca and CFPod Network on Just a Twitter. quick note to those of you listening on MyTFM, Selkirk Steelers Hockey returns Thursday night, preseason game in Winnipeg 725. Check us out on Twitter at CFC on MikeFM. Vote for my NFL team poll there. And uh, catch the podcast again next week. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Have a great week. Bye.